Welcome to our Lenten midweek service. This is our Didache divine service for the remainder of Lent. Uh, tonight is session 19 on confession, which this week and next week will help us prepare for meditation upon the passion of our Lord according to St. Mark. If you did not receive the white sheet with the catechesis on it, they are available at the door. We follow the divine service setting four from the hymnal, beginning with hymn 617.
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our help is in the name of the Lord. If you, O Lord, kept a record of sins, O Lord, who could stand? Since we are gathered to hear God's word, call upon him in prayer and praise and receive the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ in the fellowship of this altar. Let us first consider our unworthiness and confess before God and one another that we have sinned in thought, word, and deed and that we cannot free ourselves from our sinful condition. Together as his people, let us take refuge in the infinite mercy of God, our Heavenly Father, seeking his grace for the sake of Christ, and saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Almighty God, have mercy upon us, forgive us our sins, and lead us to everlasting life. Amen. Almighty God, merciful Father, in holy baptism you declared us to be your children and gathered us into your one holy church in which you daily and richly forgive us our sins and grant us new life through your Spirit. Be in our midst, enliven our faith, and graciously receive our prayer and praise. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. pray. Almighty everlasting God, for our many sins we justly deserve eternal condemnation. In your mercy you sent your dear Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, who won for us forgiveness of sins and everlasting salvation. Grant us a true confession that dead to sin we may be raised up by your life-giving absolution. Grant us your Holy Spirit that we may be ever watchful and live true and godly lives in your service. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the first chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, Jesus went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. When they found him, they said to him, everyone is looking for you. But he said to them, Let us go into the next towns, that I may preach there also, because for this purpose I have come forth. 
and he was preaching in their synagogues throughout all Galilee and casting out demons. Now a leper came to him, imploring him, kneeling down to him, and saying to him, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus moved with compassion, stretched out his hand, and touched him, and said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. As soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy left him, and he was cleansed. And he strictly warned him and sent him away at once, and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go your way, show yourself to the priest, and offer for your cleansing those things which Moses commanded as a testimony to them. However, he went out and began to proclaim it freely and to spread the matter so that Jesus could no longer openly enter the city but was outside in deserted places and they came to him from every direction. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Let us confess the faith with the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Christian church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Since ancient times, Lent has been a time of intensive catechesis, often revolving around the Ten Commandments and the Creed and the Lord's Prayer, those fundamental texts which were responsible for passing on the faith to the next generation of Christians. Lent has also been a time of contrition and repentance. And so it is fitting that our Didache Divine Service continues for the whole congregation during Lent as we focus this week and next week particularly on confession using the narrative of the Gospel from St. Mark that we just read for tonight's text. Before going into the 16 questions I have for you in this bit of a interactive catechesis with you in Bible study, let me talk a little bit about confession in general and the absolution in particular. Confession and absolution is a return to our baptism. Martin Luther said of the daily significance of our baptism is that we should die daily to sin in contrition and repentance that by Christ's forgiveness, the new man might come forth and arise. It's the rhythm of our day as Christians. If we pray according to Luther's prayers in the catechism, every night it ends with, forgive me all my sins where I have done wrong. 
Confession of sins and living from Christ's absolution is absolutely central to our life as Christians. In the Lord's Prayer, the fifth petition, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. The plural pronouns, us and our, are liturgical in nature. When we gather together as the body of Christ, we engage in such things as corporate confession and a corporate absolution or declaration of grace. When we kneel at the Lord's table to receive Jesus' body and blood for the forgiveness of sins, the very act of doing this implies letting go of the sins of others. Our brothers and sisters within the congregation and those outside the congregation. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us, which is what we do at the Lord's table. Martin Luther said in the fifth petition explanation to the Lord's Prayer, toward forgiveness is directed every activity in the church. The catechism's questions about confession don't deny corporate confession. It was a part of the Old Testament church every day, corporate confession. And the corporate absolution, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. However, the catechism is directed not primarily at corporate confession, but individual confession, which is done before the pastor when the Christian is particularly troubled by their sins. Martin Luther taught that the preaching from the pulpit was the general absolution for the whole congregation. But have you ever found yourself in a situation where you hear God's word preached, the law and the gospel, and you still feel troubled in your conscience because of your sin? It is at times like this that the gift of private confession and absolution is a wonderful treasure because you can think of the absolution privately as an extension of the absolution preached corporately from the pulpit to the entire congregation. I certainly hear confession and forgive sins when I'm counseling with someone in my study, but we have regular times here before the altar on Sunday morning or at other times by appointment when I vest in my robe and the candles on the pulpit are lit and I sit on the other side of the communion rail and giving opportunity to members to come for the comfort of the absolution. So think about the absolution delivered to you privately as not something wholly different from the righteousness of Christ that clothed you in your baptism or from the forgiveness of sins proclaimed in the preaching of the gospel from the sermon but rather as a word of gospel spoken specifically to you. When you have named your sin and what troubles you, it's been dragged out into the light of day and put to death. As Lutherans, we retain the gift of confession for the sake of the absolution that strengthens faith and gives comfort. Look at how many opportunities we have. Corporate confession, private confession. There is a promise of absolution in the Lord's Prayer itself. Forgive us our trespasses. The Lord would never have given us that word had it not been his intention 
to fully and freely forgive us for Jesus' sake. So with that as an introduction, I'd like to draw your attention to the text from Mark chapter 1. And the 16 questions that I have there, and for the most part, nearly every question can be answered and should be answered directly from the text. So part of the, um, part of the activity of interactive catechesis with the text before you in these questions is also to help you listen to the scriptures, read the scriptures. So sometimes we ask questions as pastors and then a catechumen wants to wax eloquently and they may give true answers about what they have learned and known over the years about the faith. But I want the answers as much as possible to come from the text that is before you on this sheet. So the first question is this. Why did Jesus get up early in the morning? Joe, Jay, to pray. And you'll find this in the Gospels. It's a subtle thing, but it happens throughout the Gospels. And all of the Gospels report on it, how Jesus would get up a great while before day go off to a solitary place and there pray. He prayed corporately in the synagogue and in the temple and with the disciples. But individual private prayer was a discipline that he observed every single day of his life. Think about this. If he needed to pray, how much more do we? And prayer is the voice of faith that meditates upon and relies upon God's promises so when he is in communion with his Father, he is relying upon God's promises. When we pray, our access to God is through Christ, his work upon the cross, and the promises of God's word to us. Second question, why was everyone looking for Jesus? Now this is a question that does require the context of the entire gospel. Wesley? They wanted him to preach, or they wanted to hear his word. Why? Why did they want to hear him? And if you know the Gospels, did they want to hear the scribes and Pharisees? Not particularly. It says of Jesus, he preached with authority, not as the scribes and Pharisees. So what were they receiving from him that caused them to want to hear him. Because notice what the disciples say. Simon and those who were with him searched for him. When they found him, they said, everyone is looking for you. What do they expect to hear, Jake? Comfort, absolutely. They heard from Jesus a comfort, a promise, a hope, a word of mercy, forgiveness, absolution that they did not hear anywhere else. A word of comfort and absolution, Jake, not based upon their works, but on the basis of God's love. Remember that about confession and absolution. It is not a requirement. It is a gift. And we retain absolution uh, privately, uh, confession privately, for the sake of the absolution. Third question. Why did Jesus want to go into the next towns? Isn't it an interesting thing what he said? Let us go into the next towns. They're searching for you. Let us go into the next towns. Why? What does it say? To preach there also. Also. So as I have been preaching, 
which is what is causing the people to, where is he? We want to find him. Let us go into the next towns and preach there also. So, so far in the narrative, even before the cleansing of the leper, what is being emphasized in terms of Jesus' ministry? Preaching. Question four. For what reason did Jesus say he came into the world? For preaching. That's right. Let us go into the next house. For this reason I came into the world. I think for most of us, and I, we may be conditioned by perhaps some of the culture of conservative American evangelicalism, we think of Jesus' ministry and we're wowed by the miracles. Now, the miracles are significant. They're not to be dismissed. They really happened. Today, the cleansing of the leper, sight to the blind, hearing to the deaf, making a crippled walk. That's next week. Cleansing lepers, raising the dead. But the miracles of Jesus, which really happened, are signs that connect directly to the gospel of his forgiveness. Without the preaching of Jesus, we can't really even make sense out of the meaning of the miracles. The miracles are also a result of the preaching, a result of the word of forgiveness that he proclaimed. Number five, what accompanied Jesus' preaching in the synagogues of Galilee specifically according to Mark's testimony? Casting out of demons, Tom, that's right. Isn't it interesting how Mark, Mark is very condensed. And in that sense, it's very helpful to us because he gives us the essence of Jesus' ministry. He was preaching in their synagogues throughout all Galilee, casting out demons. The point that Mark is making here is these are not two different activities. He preached... And then he went and did something really important. He cast out demons. But rather, the content of his preaching is that which drove out the demons. So in the baptismal liturgy, for example, we hear, depart you unclean spirit and make room for the spirit of God. Because the spirit of God is in holy baptism, creating faith, establishing God's kingdom of trust in Christ making of that candidate a disciple. So that leads to the next question six. What characterizes the kingdom of Satan? Now this question would be one of these implied questions from your knowledge of the rest of the New Testament, specifically the entire Bible generally. What is characteristic of the kingdom of Satan, Tom? Denial of faith. Denial of faith, or he wants to... Attack faith. Unbelief is the essence of his kingdom. Okay? In contrast to the kingdom of God, which is noted by faith. Now, faith has to have an object. So for us as Christians, who is the object of our faith? Joe? Jesus is. The Son of God, our Savior, who lived for us, who died for our sins, who rose from the dead and speaks that word, peace be with you. The only thing that Satan cares about is to destroy faith in Christ. That's it. 
And if he can make you rich and wealthy and happy and content, but you have no faith in Christ, that's fine with Satan. If that doesn't work, and he can trouble your conscience to the point where you are in despair, and you deny your faith, and you do what Judas Iscariot did and commit suicide to try to atone for your own sins, he's happy with that too. He doesn't care as long as he is destroying faith in Christ. That is his modus operandi. That is his goal. So the kingdom of God is characterized by faith in Christ, the kingdom of Satan, unbelief that rejects Christ. Tom? Well, it, let's talk a little bit, just briefly, about his comment, we all have, we speak figuratively about casting out demons, or I have my demon or something. Actually, Tom, it's closer related to Satan and the real demons than we might think. The devil knows our weaknesses, according to our sinful nature, our sinful flesh. We are all cut from the same cloth on the one hand, we're all conceived and born in sin, on the other hand, each one of us has the areas in which the old Adam, the sinful flesh, manifests itself. For one, they may be quick-tempered. For another one, it might be the lusts and the appetites of the flesh. For another, it may be the temptation to, to materialism. So in that sense, these are all like demons. But the real demons, and Satan himself preys on those things. One of the reasons why Satan tempts you to sin is not particularly because he cares about a particular sin or infraction. But as Christians, if he can cause you to stumble and fall into besetting sins, then it troubles your conscience. And Satan, the word means accuser, he can say, you call yourself a Christian? You're a hypocrite. You're no Christian. If you were a Christian, you wouldn't do this. You wouldn't say this. That you're struggling this is an indication that you have no faith. See, that's what he does. So what is the antidote for that? Faith is not the antidote. Forgiveness is the antidote for which we retain confession. Okay? Because forgiveness is that which revives faith renews faith, restores faith. When I hear confessions privately, the liturgy says, after the confession is made, I stand and say, God be gracious to you and strengthen your faith, in your faith? No. In the absolution. Do you believe my forgiveness is God's forgiveness? Yes, I do. So faith looks outside of itself to Christ. And Christ is there in the absolution. He's the content. Okay, so number seven. What did the leper say to Jesus? This is not a joke. It sounds like it's set up like a joke. What did the leper say to Jesus? Jake? If you are willing, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Now, if you understand something about leprosy, it's helpful if you had the disease of leprosy, it meant that your entire body was infected with this disease. It manifests itself in parts of your body gradually withering away. Uh, some forms of leprosy were fatal and would eventually end in death. They were it was highly contagious. And so as a leper, you were cut off from 
the worshiping community at the synagogue locally in the temple in Jerusalem, you were not allowed to worship there. You were cut off from normal relations in the family. So the fact that this leper dared to fall down before Jesus and cry out to him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. It indicates that he had faith in Christ for the reasons that we cited before. Why were the people thronging him? In Jesus' preaching, they found hope. They found comfort that they didn't find elsewhere. Number eight, what moved Jesus to stretch out his hand and touch the leper? What was it? He had compassion. Good, you're answering from the text. Now, what is compassion? What is the meaning of that word? Can you give us some other synonyms for it? Love, God's love, we have a special word for his undeserved love in the scriptures, grace. The grace of God is a part of compassion. Jake? Pity, this is good. Pity, which involves also sympathy. And what is it when you identify with another person in their sorrows, in their struggles? Empathy. When Jesus reaches out in compassion and touches this leper, understand the dramatic character of that action. He doesn't simply stand afar off. If you are willing, you can make me clean. Okay, you're clean. You know, keeps his distance. No, he reaches out and he touches the leper and he says, I am willing. Be cleansed. The touch of a leper rendered the person who touched the leper ceremonially unclean, which is precisely the point. So this is the nature of Jesus' compassion. Compassion in the Greek, this splachna word, it sounds like it is. The heart just bursts open in love, mercy, compassion, pity, Jake, and empathy, sympathy for our condition such that he is willing in love to make it his own. So St. Paul says that God made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us. And we see that all throughout the Gospels as he touches the leper, as he touches the body of the deceased, as a woman with the flow of blood touches him. All of this shows how he is taking into himself all of our sicknesses and infirmities, and the source of all of the sicknesses and infirmities is sin itself. Number 10, what does it mean for us that Jesus was willing to cleanse the leper? I kind of just answered the question for you. That, that he is willing to take upon himself our sin and corruption. Now, when did the leprosy leave the leper? Look at the text very carefully. Wesley? As soon as he had spoken. As soon as he had spoken. Did you see that in the text? As soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy left. The touch of Jesus is important. The physical actions are important. But the heart of it all is Jesus' word. Notice how we are now where we began. The preaching of Jesus is what caused the multitudes to throng him. 
This theme about the Word of God being that which brings Jesus to us with all of his benefits is highlighted throughout the Catechism, isn't it? Of baptism, we ask the question, how can water do such great things? You know, work forgiveness, rescue from death and the devil, give eternal salvation. And the answer given, certainly not just water, but the Word written, but, but the Word of God in and with the water does these things. Of the Lord's Supper, whereby we receive Christ's body and blood for the forgiveness of sins. How can bodily eating and drinking do such great things? The Catechism says, certainly not just eating and drinking, but the words written here, given and shed for you, for the forgiveness of sins. These words, along with the bodily eating and drinking, are the main thing in the sacrament. Even the bodily eating and drinking, why do we do it? Because Jesus says, take, eat, drink of it. Okay. So what is the point? We know of no Jesus except that Jesus that comes to us through the Word. And the Word is not just information, but the Word delivers the salvation of the Lord Jesus. As you see in this case, by a Word, this leper was cleansed. I am willing, so in that Word is communicated to him the grace of God, the mercy of God, the forgiveness of God in that Word that cleanses him. Larry? Yeah, well, and leprosy is caused by sin, as all of our maladies are. Now, not in the sense that um, uh, your parents sinned, so then you were cursed with leprosy in that sense. But all human disease has its root origin in the problem of sin. Which leads us to the next question, number 12. Why was the cleansed leper sent to the priest as Moses had commanded? Now, this question requires the context of the Bible. Since you were separated from the worshiping community, you could not enter back into the worshiping community as a cleansed leper without the right and sacrifices for readmission. There was a problem, however, in the Old Testament. No one was hardly ever cleansed of leprosy. The cleansing of leprosy was a sign of the Messiah's coming. So go show yourself to the priests, offer the sacrifices for your cleansing as a testimony to them. A testimony of what? Messiah has come, Son of God, Savior, Redeemer from sin, the one who cleanses the leper, gives sight to the blind, hearing to the deaf, causes the lame to walk, the one who preaches the gospel to the poor. So it is a testimony that the Messiah has come. Now, why did the man freely proclaim that Jesus had healed him, even though Jesus had told him, don't tell anyone this? This is one of these questions that, once again, if you think of all of the people to whom Jesus had brought healing and salvation in the gospels, there's something that characterizes all of them when they receive this. What is it? Yeah, so, so what kind of react? They were happy, joyful, hallelujah. Oh, it's Lent. We can't say that. But that was the, see, but it's, there's a rule in the liturgy. You can't say hallelujah. Well, 
you can see how when something wonderful happens to you, when you receive Christ and the gift of his salvation and you're restored, remember, this is not just healing from disease. You are restored to the worshiping community of the church of God. So he cannot help but tell. But notice, what did the news of the cleansed leper cause? He was being mobbed by people. He could not even preach because there were so many people mobbing him. You get a sense of why it was that he wanted to control the advertising of where he was and what he was doing. Okay, number 15, finally. What is the disease of leprosy a sign of? We've already alluded to this, Wesley. Sin, the corruption of sin. And not just sinful acts, but the disease of leprosy really bespeaks the total depravity of man, the corruption of inherited sin called original sin from Adam. So what really cleansed the man of his leprosy? The forgiveness of sins. Yep. Not his faith. Faith received that forgiveness. But it was the word of forgiveness that cleansed him. So now you can turn over to the other side. In the catechism, under confession, it says how Christians should be taught to confess. Please respond to the question, what is confession? Confession has two parts. First, that we confess our sins. And second, that we receive absolution. That is forgiveness from the pastor as from God himself, not doubting, but firmly believing that by it our sins are forgiven before God in heaven. When you hear that and recite that answer to the question, what is confession, where is most of the weight placed in this answer? On confessing of sin or on absolution? Absolution, hands down. It's very important. We retain confession, again, not as a good work, not as something that merits Christ's forgiveness, but as something that flows out of faith itself in Jesus, the desire, the hunger, and thirst for him and for his comfort. And so... That's why the catechism emphasis is the way it is and why we retain confession in the church, not as some medieval practice, but an opportunity to have Jesus give us as, comfort, uh, as comforting a word and ministry as he gave to this leper in the miracle before us tonight. Five summary points. First, Christ's compassion for us as leprous sinners is what gives us the courage to confess and seek our Lord's help. You see, the same word of grace that just motivated the multitudes to, to come to Jesus, to throng to him, is the word of grace and the promise of mercy that compelled, drew this leprous man to Jesus. You remember the parable of the prodigal son that younger son who squandered his father's love, went off to a far country by himself, 
found himself destitute, unable to be satisfied by anything. No one would give him anything. He couldn't even eat the pods of the pigs. It was his father's compassion that brought him home. How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare and I perish with hunger? Had he known his father to be an angry judge, he never would have returned home. So it is Christ's compassion that gives us the courage to confess. Second point, Christ's promise to forgive in the gospel is what draws us to Jesus for absolution, which is restating the same thing, but I wanted to highlight compassion in the first one and that that is found in the word of the gospel, the promise. If you confess your sins, God is faithful and just to forgive you your sins. That's not an if-then cause like, well, you didn't confess, so I'm not going to forgive you. We see forgiveness in Jesus quite prior to us confessing. It is rather the promise and encouragement not to be afraid. Number three, confession of sin and confession of faith are really the same thing. They're two sides of the same coin. Because when we confess our faith in Jesus, what we are saying is, I am a sinner and Christ is my Savior. And when we confess our sins rightly, we are saying, I am a sinner, Christ is my Savior. So confession, all of its forms, confession of sin, confession of faith, express what we have come to know and understand and believe to be true on the basis of God's word. So we confess the Apostles' Creed tonight. Is it true? Yeah. Where did it come from? It came from God's word. That's what I believe. Number four, Jesus gives us pastors. Jesus gives us pastors to give us certainty that our sins really are forgiven. I think a lot of Christians long for the three-year ministry of Jesus, I wish I were there, as if Jesus is not present with us now. As if they had something that, is, that we do not have access to. That's not true. The institution of the office of the holy ministry is given to us by Christ that Jesus might be present in Sussex, Wisconsin, Madison, Wisconsin, if you can believe it. Chicago, St. Louis, Ghana, West Africa, Gothenburg, Sweden, Kenya, Australia, South America, Dominican Republic, all over the globe. Without any diminution of authority or power. So the office of the ministry, our pastor speak Jesus' word of forgiveness to us in his stead and by his command. It's why in the liturgy, do you believe that my forgiveness is God's forgiveness? Not like God's forgiveness, sort of close to it. No, is God's forgiveness. Yes, I do. And we have so many promises directly from Jesus. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I have the keys and I give my keys to the church. Finally, the purpose of confession is to receive Christ's absolution for the strengthening of our faith in Christ because that's what strengthens faith. Christ's absolution. Christ's forgiveness. And out of faith, the fruit of faith flows. So I'd like you to think in conclusion of the absolution
as the ongoing I love you from the Lord Jesus. Faith lives from his love and from his forgiveness. Let us prepare to receive the Lord's Supper by singing the hymn of the day. Let us pray. Most merciful God, you desire all to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Grant that by the preaching of your gospel we may be given the wisdom that leads to salvation. By the working of your Holy Spirit, keep us attentive to all the teachings of your word. Enlighten our minds, control our wills, and purify our affections. Let your word be a light for our path that neither the pleasures nor the honors nor the pains of this life may turn away our thoughts from the fullness of life that is found only in Christ. Enable us in sincerity of heart to follow you, the only true God. By your holy word, enlighten all who are in error, doubt, or temptation with the sure and certain knowledge of your truth that all who live in sin may be led to repentance. Show mercy and grace to all those suffering any distress, to those who are sick or hospitalized, and to those facing death. Let them know the sure comfort 
of your holy word. Especially grant healing to Tammy, Haga, Cindy Hertz, Mary Ellen Nietzsche, Sharon Murphy, Don Frederich, all recuperating from surgery. Nicola Giordano's grandmother recovering from a stroke. Tom Smith, Reverend John Willie, Reverend Luke Berenger, Jean Royce, and Gabby Hartwig in treatment for cancer. Bring relief and preserve in the true faith Mark Thoney's Aunt Karen in hospice care. And grant comfort to the family and friends of Alan Gable and Paul Nauman who mourn their deaths. Give them the sure and certain confidence of the resurrection to eternal life. We commit ourselves and all for whom we pray to your fatherly care and benediction. Be gracious to us and defend us by your power. Direct us by your spirit that we may daily grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Savior until we shall stand before you in the joy of everlasting glory. Through the same, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give him thanks and grace. It is truly good, right, and salutary that we should at all times and in all places give thanks to you, Holy Lord, Almighty Father, everlasting God, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who overcame the assaults of the devil and gave his life as a ransom for many, that with cleansed hearts we might be prepared joyfully to celebrate the Paschal Feast in sincerity and truth. Therefore, with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and saying, Blessed are you, O Lord, our God, King of all creation. For you have had mercy on us and given your only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. At your command, Abraham prepared to offer his son Isaac as a sacrifice on the mountain. Yet in mercy you provided a ram as a substitute. We give you thanks that on Calvary, you spared not your only son, but send him to offer his life as a ransom for many. As we eat and drink his body and blood, grant us like Abraham our father to trust in your promise now fulfilled in Christ the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Hear us as we pray in his name and as he has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done 
on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Amen. Amen.
Let us pray. We give thanks to you, Almighty God, that you have refreshed us through this salutary gift. And we implore you that of your mercy you would strengthen us through the same in faith toward you and in fervent love toward one another. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen.